All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome. Have a nice show today. Natasha Legero, the very funny and charming Natasha Legero is here. Comedian, actress. I like her. I've always liked her. Don't know why I haven't had her on sooner. She was on a live one a while back. Sometimes it's not intentional. You know, sometimes you just, you forget or gets goes to the back burner and sits there, you know, as things do. A lot of shit coming in all the time. I, don't, I can't even keep up with my texts. It's what you would think the text you, I just, I forget to respond to texts. I, I don't know what's happening. I think it's some sort of um, social networking induced PTSD that, that, you know, everything is all the time and everyone expects you to respond immediately and you expect other people to respond immediately and you got to check the Twitter and the Facebook and the, whatever you're doing. I draw the line at Snapchat I can't even do Instagram anymore. I'm just, I don't know if I'm too old or just how much time do I have in a day? I need to have some of my own thoughts and not just connect my brain to a community of random garbage with some good stuff. You know how it goes. Just You're just attached to this frequency, this vibration, this input that uh, really, I mean, you may think you're working and you may think it's inspiring you to come up with new things, but a lot of times it's just a goddamn time suck. But that shouldn't be the way it is with the interpersonal relationships and, you know, texting is, I, I just think that when people come at you, in their mind, they you're not doing anything else maybe, you know, that's like, why didn't you get back to me? I, I don't know because 900 emails came in after yours and I forgot. Why didn't you text me back? I don't know, because there was a few other texts that came in, and I just didn't. I, I, I have to, At the end of the week, I have to go through texts and go like, oh, shit. I should, probably, I should probably text my mommy back. Anyways, I'm a little fragmented. I, uh, I lost a, uh, a difficult friend a couple of days ago. Um, and it's weird because I had talked about this. Those of you who listen to this part of the show, I had this situation with this blood on the porch and there was a puddle of blood here and there and drops of blood. And I thought it was this cat or one of the cats that I feed, one of the ferals. There's, I've only got a few now outside. But this cat, scaredy cat, who's been coming around for about a decade, I thought he got injured. But then I saw him after that and, and he was fine. And I, I thought he was done, you know, and I felt this before about him. I've seen him, you know, on and off for really about 10 years. Sometimes he'd disappear for months, weeks. One time, you know, he showed up here bloodied and beat up and there was nothing I could do about it because he was wild. Then he disappeared and I, I grieved his loss and I've grieved the loss of this cat many times. That's a relationship you have with feral cats is that you know the situation, you understand the relationship. You're, you're out there in the world, in the wild, dealing with wild world shit, and I'm in here wondering if you're going to come back. And when you come back, I'm excited to see you. And I'm, 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 I'm inspired by your survival. And I get a sense of your personality, but you only let me so far in because you're wild, you're a wild animal. Well, I got a message on my phone Friday morning when I woke up. The woman across the street said she had found the cat that I'd been feeding 
in the street dead. And she said it didn't look like he got hit really bad because he was all intact and everything, but he was dead. And that she had set him on, she had picked him up, she had gone out to walk the dogs, and she had put him on the wall next door, on Dennis's wall. And like I jumped out of bed, I didn't know which cat it was. There's a couple. And I walked out there in my bathrobe and, and I saw the other cat, which I call Scaredy too. This cat looks just like Scaredy Cat, but much younger and thinner. I don't know where it came from, but it's been coming around erratically. He's walking down the street and I'm like, fuck, I kind of kind of wanted it to be that guy. I Sadly, because, you know, I, I don't know him. He's a new guy. But my guy's been around forever. So it wasn't him. And then I went to where she said she put the cat and the cat wasn't there, you know. And there was bl- little blood on the street and stuff. And I didn't know what happened to the cat. This was at 630 in the morning. And now I'm trying to track it. You know, how do I end up, you know, having these cats pass and I, and I don't get the closure of seeing their body? Like Boomer, I didn't know what happened to Boomer. Uh, whatever, I don't understand it. You know, Dennis saw another puddle of blood down the street and thinks maybe a, a coyote came and got the body, but but he hasn't been here in two days, so he's gone. And I missed a guy because, you know, you just get used to these guys. You know, you, you, you have a relationship with them. It's a difficult relationship with ferals because y- you know this could happen. And I guess I want a closure. Maybe maybe it's better I don't. Maybe these cats are just these fallen warriors of the great outdoors. Maybe it's better he's just mythically gone. I know it was him, but maybe it's better I didn't see the cat. Maybe it's better that in my mind, yeah, maybe maybe he's out there. Maybe, but but I know he's not. But you know what I mean. He just enters the mythology. Did you see his body? I did not. Is Morrison really in his grave? I think so, but some people don't think so. So Scaredy Cat has now entered the mythic. And uh, rest in peace, wild guy. Yeah. So this morning, Scaredy 2 showed up. Just like that. Filled the shoes. This is what you get. I gave that guy a good life. I did what I could. He was definitely a warrior. And uh, he was around a long time. And now, you know, I've got, I've still got deaf black cat under the house. And uh, I've seen a lot of wild cats come and go. And now I got a new one. Scaredy the second. I don't know if he's going to be able to live up to Scaredy one. But uh, I was happy to see him this morning. Thank you, everybody, for coming out to the Steve Allen. Did I already thank you? I guess I did. What day is today? Yeah, I thanked you on Thursday. The next, um, the next performance, I guess we're, we're skipping a week for some reason. But uh, I will be there May 24th, May 31st, June 7th, June 14th, June 21st, June 28th. Then July 7th, I'm at the Spokane Comedy Club. All right, and that's July 7th and 8th. And uh, then I'll be, oh, and 9th too. 7th, 8th, and 9th at Spokane Comedy Club. I'll be at Wise Guys in Utah, July 14th. That's in Salt Lake City and 15th. Um, Where else? The Comedy Club, Rochester, New York, September 9th, 10th. And uh, that's it. All right, you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for that information. So I'm trying to get into jazz. That's my new... Like, I've done this many points in time in my life where you're like, you know, I like jazz, but I don't understand it. 
I'd like to understand more. So I got like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book. I'm reading uh, Ben Ratliff's book about John Coltrane while I'm listening to John Coltrane. I just got this amazing, um, the complete prestige 10-inch LP collection of Miles Davis. These are all these prestige records before he became Miles Davis. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful fucking box. There's like 11 records. And, uh, you know, so I'm getting into that. I figure if I start at the baseline, and I saw that Miles movie, and I think I told you about it. A lot of people don't don't like that Miles movie, but I don't come to it knowing a lot about Miles. And then once I realized that the movie wasn't really based on a true story as much as it was sort of a meditation on this period of Miles' life where he didn't really create anything, that it's literally a film riff on that period. And it's funny. Like, uh, you know, Don Cheadle does an amazing job making Miles a real character, but you know, he is the later Miles, the Miles that's mostly in that movie, not young Miles in that movie in the flashbacks, but the, the Miles that is being depicted in the fictional jazz riff of a film about this period in his life is somewhat of a comic character and done, you know, beautifully. I know a lot of people don't like the movie, but uh, but I don't know what the hell they expected out of it. It's a great performance and a pretty amazing movie. But this is my relationship with jazz. I can listen to it, but I think that I would get so much more out of it if I understood it more. Like the bars, you know, what rules are being broken, you know, what what makes the chord progression work the way it is, what are the foundations of it. But you know what this requires of me is some research and some homework. Like I'm reading I'm I'm reading Ratliff's book and I know he's got other books about it and there's other books to read about jazz, but sometimes I just glaze over when it comes to, you know, uh, numbers and, and, and structures and things like that. I mean, I can appreciate the music, but I think my appreciation would be so much deeper if I just understood it more. But then I might go down the jazz rabbit hole and there's a never-ending bunch of records and people. I know, the, I know the classics, but I don't know them deep enough. I need to get deep. I need to get deep with it. So I, I'm into that. I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a little of that. I'll let you know how that goes. It's also helping me with my grief. The jazz is. The lack of closure. Even though death is closure, I don't know, it lives on in your fucking heart. So let's talk to Natasha Legero. all right? Uh, she's, she's very funny. She's married to Moshe Kasher. She's on tour with him, with Moshe. Starting next week and uh, going through June, it's called the Honeymoon Tour. You can go to NatashaLegero.com to see the tour dates and get tickets. Also, her Comedy Central show, Another Period, returns for its second season next month. Yeah, I also wanted to tell you to go out and get the new comedy album by our friend Jeff Tate. It's called Jeff Tate Again, and you can get it on iTunes or wherever you get music. Jeff will be on WTF in a few weeks, but go listen to his album before he's on. He's a funny guy, but me and Natasha... She talks a lot, uh, not a lot, but there's a story about Ari, and you know, I, I sometimes there's a familiarity between me and my guests that don't uh, that doesn't translate to you because you, you don't know who the fuck we're talking about. But in this shitty story, uh, it's Ari Shafir, so that's not surprising that Ari Shafir's involved in a shitty story, and I think he'd be the first to tell you that. So when we start talking about Ari, that's the Ari. All right, this is me and Natasha Legero.
fucking be mean to me right What do you mean? Why the fuck would I be mean to you? Because you never had me on. I never had you on? Yeah. Well, we had a, we, didn't we do a live one? Weren't you on a live WTF at some point? Oh, that was WTF? When I, yeah, it was like at oh, UCB. Yeah. There was nothing personal. Good. I mean, like, I don't have anything against you. You're like, I, how, why would you think I would be the mean one? You're the one who's like, better keep this guy at a distance. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> What do you, would no? All right. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't done this podcast. Oh, well, you know, I get around everybody. I'd be, no, I'm that's, glad to be here. I'm trying to think when I first met you, you're probably with Ari. And then the next time, I think I met you at this store, maybe with him a million years ago. Then the next time you were living in some expansive estate with Duncan. Remember the estate? That's, that's my house. And that's not an estate. It's still your house? Yeah. Oh, seemed like in my mind it was an estate. When it we, just has a big yard. Yeah, but it has it like you've decorated it so nicely. I have a and, talent in that way. Yeah, and it, and I felt like this is um this is posh, this is like uh, very all, thought out. It's just a, a talent. Yeah. Yeah, I can make a place. I used to make my dorm rooms look great. Well, what? Hold on. An estate. <laughs> It's like a 1,400 square foot house. It is? Yeah. <laughs> I was there one time and I just have this memory of it. I'm like, wow, how are they living here? I this know. Is- and I have a memory of you coming up to me and you're like, Who's, whose deal is this? Who's living this? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And you're like, I mean, what's what's this? What's with this? Who Who's this? And I was like, this is my house. And you're like, oh, yeah, figures. Or you walked away. Or, really? Or maybe you didn't say figures. But. No, I don't sound like I say figures. Because I was sort of like, because there was a time where like, I don't understand that my assumption is it's like, where'd she get a million dollars to just buy? (laughs) Okay, okay. Like, that's how my brain used to work. But I'm kind of successful. I know you are. And then I knew that. I know you're successful, and I know people can rent houses, they can buy houses, people (laughs) do all kinds of... (laughs) What? I know you're successful, but but now you're there, now you got another guy. Just, you're good. You're like me. You just kind of move guys through. Good for you. <laughs> well, I married this one. Oh, when'd you get married? Uh, October. Was that public information? Yeah. You're a very fashionable couple. He's yeah. one of the more fashionable men I know without being gay. Yeah, he has an aesthetic, like, appreciation. <laughs> he does have an aesthetic. But I remember him when he was, like, all, like, white hip-hop guy wearing hoodies and Me too, aggravated. and I wasn't attracted to him. No, there was nothing attractive about him. <laughs> And then he got he, he was let, he was difficult to be around it like as a comic even you're like this is just making me uncomfortable he needs to land on something. Well, then he just grew out the sides of his hair, and then I saw that he was cute. Right, because he would like shave shave the sides, kind of hip hop style. Like, right, right, yeah. I, I just I can't. I wasn't like I the first time I saw him was in San Francisco, and he middled for me I think, and he, and he just seemed so angry. And but don't uh, you find we all kind of relax? Like, I feel like I used to God, be yes, so huh? ambitious. I couldn't, like, I couldn't be in a room with people who are successful. And, like, I was just freaking out oh, all really? the time. To- kind. I mean, Like, I was- you felt smaller than them? Like, you know, like, I'm not doing well? All the time. Right? Every party just meant I'm failing? Yes. And whenever I'd see a famous person, I'd try to start talking to them. And, like, I'm just like you. And then they would, like, you know, <laughs> shoo me away. And- you should see my estate. <laughs> I mean, having a nice house, just landing in like a, the right situation, though, does kind of it kind of like made me not as ambitious because right. I'm like I want to die here, right? And but and also you find out that you can have nice things, and it's not always about you know you know being a movie star, right? Right. 
But I, but like, I don't know. Like, you've been doing comedy a long time, right? Since 2002. So that's like 14 years? Yeah, I remember I would come see you. You were inspiring to me when I started. Uh-huh. You had like a show at the Knitting Factory. You were doing like a one-person show. Oh, did I? At the when the knitting when they had that knitting factory, because mm-hmm. I was Mishna and I kind of started together. Right, right, exactly. So we would do an open mic every Monday. And, right, that's where I met you with her. And, and everyone's were, like, "That's Mark Maron's wife. That's Mark Maron's wife." Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's not too happy about that now. <laughs> that's a, that's her biggest nightmare. Doesn't she have a baby though? I think lives- she has two. Wow. I think I don't know. That's right. I think I met you. Like there used to be that open mic in the valley at the B something, like a little coffee shop. I don't know how I did open mics like all the time. Well, you're like you wanted it. You're a real comic person, and and it's it's sort of interesting what happened to you was like at some point, like and I and and I don't always see this. Um, you know, people get funny. You know. At, from when they start like some people are like that's not quite funny yet that person's you know getting there but like you were one of those people that all of a sudden just had a whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean like you were just a comic doing your jokes and looking cute and then all of a sudden it's like she's got a whole point of view and she dresses a certain way and there's like uh you production you're like a whole- but that, I, that was always instinctual like i just started no, i know like that, i right? know right and I, th- I think it's great when all that shit comes together like, I, I just needed a, a stage to stand on to, like, do my thing. Figure out how it all comes together. Right. Like, I remember I, wa- I remember my instinct when I did my first open mic was to wear, like, a dress and gloves. And I was like, what if I bomb? I right. Can't, <laughs> I can't, like, bomb in, like, a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... <laughs> did you, though? Well, no, I waited. I waited, you like, waited two years to ease, <laughs> ease into it. So you had it almost like a, like you, you you knew you wanted to be a certain place, but you wanted to make sure it wouldn't make you look too stupid? Yeah, well, because I had just started, but I, I, I wanted to, because I had this way of being just from, like, living mm-hmm. in New York and then moving to L.A. and being like, what, are people this stupid? Like, I just had, like, a reaction to L.A. Uh-huh. Because I had come from acting school. Well, let's go through that. So where'd you, where'd you grow up? Rockford, Illinois. How close is that to Chicago? An hour and a half. Oh, it's, so it's far. It's so, not a suburb. No. It's, like, cheap tricks from there. <laughs> oh, that puts it on the map. Well, now we know. But they're good. They're I mean, great. that's like that's, like, the... It took me a long time to get that, to like them. I was listening to them last night. They're you were? awesome. No, they are. They're so good. They are. I but, mean, not like the flame years, but right. like, like 75 what? to sure. like 80, I guess. Yeah, no, it's great power pop. I just didn't like power pop as a young man. Oh, interesting. I was more of a real rock guy. Right. Don't uh, don't throw that fourth chord in, man. Let's just keep <laughs> it steady. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Cheap Tricks from Rockford. Did, yeah, is like there a statue? No. No, <laughs> but, there's but not. But everyone knew that? They're no. the ones that got out. Right. Yeah. But is it rural? I don't know where Rockford. I don't get it. It's like the second biggest city in Illinois. Oh, really? Yeah. So and it's like 200,000 people. But now there's like shooting like 10 shootings a week. It's Oh, so it's, it's very, arrived. Yeah, it's not good. It's horrible. I don't even go home. You don't? And I've made fun of I've made fun of Rockford a lot on TV, like on the Tonight Show I made yeah. fun of it and then it got in the paper and Natasha Leggero is so, you know, ungrateful and They like to come after you. Yeah, they just they are very mean to me. Pretty now. funny girls. They don't got it easy. I mean, they also don't have it hard. Uh, but like for some reason, the the sort of reaction, the like kind of predatory press reaction, and all those dumb dudes on comment boards. I've seen it. They 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 like to to really fucking be hard on women. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. So wait, so how how big was your family? Two 
two boys and me. Really? I was the oldest. You're the oldest sister? Mm-hmm. You're like the old sister? Yeah, like I would take care of them. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, how, how much younger? Like two years and five years younger. Five years younger, that's a lot. And my mom was single, you know, so I would like- Oh, really? Take care of the children. She was single with all three? So she had yeah. three and then broke up and then shit went bad? Yeah, it was bad. And then my mom had, uh, like one of my brothers was like really bad. What like, do you mean? You know, like shaved his head, would start barking like a dog. Like he was yeah. just like on the he like he came out of the womb like he was at a in a bar fight. Like oh, he was really? always bad. Really? Like would make her just drive her crazy. He was in, he got kicked out of every school. What happened to the, the dad? I mean Is he around? Not anymore. No, I mean he's alive. Oh, he's alive. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I remember being like four and my dad with his cleaning being like, See you kid. Oh really? That dad? <laughs> and I <laughs> Good was luck like, with everything. yeah, and I was like, bye. That wasn't the day you left, though. Yeah, that was when he. That was like. When that he was left. it. Yeah. Oh my god. But I mean, don't you think most comics have that kind of love from only one parent, or they're missing that or, love, or they're missing? Well, yeah, the I found that not funny people. Like, there's a lot of improvisers who are very loved. Yeah, that's a good point. So you've done some, you're a thinky person. Yeah, no, that's true that the, the improvisers learn how to work with other people and they seem well adjusted. <laughs> they and, say yes and comics say no. Right, yeah. But also they like to hang around with everybody. Oh, they love it. They, We're all on stage together. Let's it's, play. Yeah. It was so fun playing with you. <laughs> They're doing like like energy circles before the show and then you get comics and we're all just right. like, what the fuck don't is talk that? to me. Yeah. Can, you... Can we just clear the stage? There's still some props left out there. <laughs> But that's that's. But true. I love that, and I mean that's why comics are so fun to. I feel so lucky I've got to hang out with them for yeah the past but, but decade. That's, but that's so true about those people. They do seem better adjusted than us. The uh, the sketch people. They are. Yeah, they go to you know good pretty good schools usually, and they know what they want you know early on, and they they do go through all these different hurdles. Like I didn't fucking know how to do. They get married. They're have like families. <laughs> they have children that they can deal with. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I do think that yeah, absent fathers or absent emotionally absent uh, parents is, does seem to to be a theme. Not with everybody. So you never had a relationship with your dad? That was it. I mean, he's he's we're you know he came you know yeah we oh, talk yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's he's cool okay <laughs> what he's cool and I'm look I'm not trying to you know dig this into... is a popular podcast so you know yeah I understand you're being diplomatic no he's. He's a, uh, you know, my my mom didn't like him. Yeah. Right. So my mom was like, right. So and you, she raised us. Right. So, so yeah. You, you know, when he would come pick us up, I would hide under the bed. Right. Your team mom, I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's reasonable. But okay. So, but what did what did your brothers end up doing? My brother, Louis, he lives in a van that he put an address on <laughs> in Rockford. He's the one that came out fighting. Yeah. Is he all right though? I mean, he, no. Okay. I, I, well, he's he's like a talented builder. Yeah. But like, I tried to bring him to Thanksgiving last year, and out here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so to meet Moshe's parents, and like Moshe's stepfather is like, you know, a, a, cl- a classically trained pianist, and my brother comes in at twelve noon, yeah. drunk. <laughs> he's playing the piano. Moshe's daddy moves him over, tries to start teaching him bad to the bone, and like he doesn't know it. <laughs> And just, he's got to drink a case of Old Milwaukee every uh-huh. every day. Like, uh-huh. he can't drink, like, Trader Joe's beer or right. anything that's, like, because right. it hurts his esophagus. Like, he's yeah. got, he's figured out a way to, like, function drinking yeah. a case of beer a day. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, there's a name for that. 
<laughs> but I want to, I mean, but I feel like he needed to be in programs and in med- on medication his whole right. life, and he never was, so. So it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And what about the other one? And wait, and by the way, yeah. he lives in this van, yeah. this trailer, and he's got like a, one TV here that has the internet, and yeah. then one TV on the other side <laughs> that has a TV. Right. And he just makes, he was telling me the story of how he was making ramen Uh because it's in Illinois. So it's freezing. He has no heat. So he'll take like a thing of water that's frozen and just be banging it, trying to like thaw out enough to like, I mean, it's just like the way he's living is. It's a little crazy. Insanity. And does he not want to live another way? Is this a. I guess not. I mean, I don't know. That's as close to I've been to like an addict so right. i i don't i mean i don't really talk to him much right but now you're in like you you go with, out with a guy who's a sober person so that's you true. you're compelled <laughs> you've been you know but it's different when someone's active it's a little hard yeah how's active the, yeah how's the other one he's a rapper really mm-hmm. and he lives in la Does, well Moshe must like that <laughs> Moshe does like hip hop. <laughs> and how's he doing? How's his rapping going? Uh, he, well, he works. He writes music for another period. The show I'm doing, so that's good. You brought him in. I brought him in. Oh, because then. he's really great at making beats. So he yeah. figured out how to do these classical beats or classical music, and then use you know make them. And what show? What show's this? It's uh, my TV show called Another Period that I, uh, have you ever heard of it? What this, I'm, don't make it awkward. I, I've seen you on a lot of things. Okay, so it's called Another Period. <sighs> it's on Comedy Central. Yeah. You do not want to hear about it? I, I absolutely do. I feel bad. It's okay. It's, and it's on Comedy Central. It's, it's on Comedy Central. It's starring me and Ricky Lindholm and Michael Ian Black and David Wayne and Christina Hendricks and That's a good, Armin uh, Weitzman and Brian Husky, Beth Dover. Tom Lennon. That's great. It takes place in 1902. It's a fake reality show. Basically, it's it's uh, it's like if the Kardashians lived at Downton, and we're trying to get famous, but it's 1902, so it's really hard. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. And my, you're working with Michael Ian Black. Oh lot. my God, he's so he's pretty much the lead. He's our Butler Peepers, and he is just he's such a brilliant actor. That show looks great. It's awesome. I'm surprised you. That concerns I don't watch, me. I what? I don't watch what that. You, I didn't get the trailer. No, that people like you don't know about the show. I don't know anything. Don't judge by me. I I live in this weird vacuum that uh, very few things kind of like what pushes through. I have very little time I to know. to do anything, and I end up like I watch like I watch Better Call Saul, like that's one that I've been watching. But and I I force myself to watch vinyl. Did and you watch all of vinyl? I did. It was a little cheesy for me. It was, yeah, it was not good. Dice was good in it, though. Dice is great. You know I'm on his show, too? I do know that. (laughs) I know a lot of the shows you're on. Have you had Dice on the show? Yes, I have. Okay, because he's fascinating. I love Dice. He told me, he would tell me the craziest stories. Like, he would say he would, he he did Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's his favorite story. No, but here's what I didn't understand about it. He's like, he sells out Madison Square Garden. He's at the peak of his life. Yeah. The very next morning, the New York Times was like the decline of civilization and with a picture of his face. And it was just downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so a, it's like, it's so hard to imagine that. What's fascinating about him is that he really w- wanted to be an actor. Like if you listen to the Dice interview, is that like he got into it because he wanted to be an actor. And then he became this huge comic. But, you know, he's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. But he talks about you know returning to Madison Square Garden. That's his dream, I think, is to sell Madison Square Garden out again. He is um, that's yeah. As uh, as when he was at his peak, 
I didn't love him as much as I like him now. Like I, I like to watch him do stand up now because he's not as the affectation is sort of gone. He doesn't do the character as committed, and he's just this dude that has a very specific way of seeing things and of style. I just like listening to him talk about shit. Oh, he's, I mean, those are the best comics because they have such a unique point of view. They're right. like these rare birds. You're like, wait, this is how you think about things? Yeah. So, like, I remember we, we had to watch this Chris Angel show uh-huh. for the first- The magic show? Yeah. Yeah. It was like one of the episodes. And we were just sitting there hanging out. And this You and wo- Dice? Yeah. And then this woman <laughs> comes up, like, you know, they have to get a woman from the audience. Yeah. And she comes up and she's pretty. And Dice just goes to me. It's not even on camera. He's like, ugh, with the flats. <laughs> Why do women have to wear flats? And it's like he was so upset by this. Like it's like what women have to be in high heels all the time. Like that's just how I mean. But he's also like he was very giving, and you know he's like a very emotional and vulnerable person. Yeah. And he loves his wife, and yeah. his ki- he's so close to his family. Yeah, I had his kid in. I had both of them in. He's like one of these weirdly misunderstood people because there's 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 a persona, and then there's him, and they're kind of the same, but but. You know, there's a lot more depth to the him. Oh, he's very deep. He's yeah. very, but he's like hilarious. No, he's very funny. He's very funny intentionally. He's very funny unintentionally. Like his girlfriend, he's like, she's like massaging him. And he's like, you know, I need my back massage. Your mom needs to massage my back. She knows how to work the area. You do my feet. It's like he's got the, her whole family giving him massage. It Like it's, it's, it's a character. Yes. So, all right. So you grow up. Your brother's a rapper. One lives in a van. Your mom, how did she get by the whole time you guys were growing up? She was like a secretary at a locksmith. Is she still around? Yes. And you guys good? Yes. That's nice. So you, you, you what? You go, you go to high school in I was just Rockford. Like, yeah. And then you, you want to be an actress. How do you know? Or you want to be a Because I was like a, a child actor. Huh? So I was also in theater there. You were. So I was like in the professional theater in Rockford. So I was like- How old? Like eight years old and Oh, up. really? Mm-hmm. Like doing like the Nutcracker and the kid in the no, community like, theater plays or well, what? Well, it was like called regional theater. So it was like half professional actors from Chicago. Oh. And then half like, you know. Yeah. So I would play like the child and in inherit the wind and then the child and as you like it. And uh-huh. the child, you know, whatever play they needed a child uh-huh. to run around in. Yeah. I would do that. Uh-huh. And it would be like 30 performances. So I got to miss school. And you loved it. I loved it. And I just wanted and to And you get like, paid? I did not get paid. Oh. And then the child doesn't get paid. I think the the non professional in regional theater, at least yeah. how it was worked out there. That, but then I remember I would see the actors who would come from Chicago, and they all looked so poor. <laughs> None of them knew how to dress, <laughs> and I was just like, maybe I don't want to be an actor. <laughs> and then I just loved doing that, and I, you know, and my home life was not fun, and so I just always was like, I just need to hurry up and go do that somewhere. Get out. I remember working at a grocery store and just like staring at the clock. And just being like, when? What were you doing? When at the is grocery my store? life gonna start? Just working. Yeah. Like having a job. You like know? what? Do like putting price tags on shit? No, like the cashier. Oh, you were a cashier oh, at the supermarket. Yeah, and oh. I had a paper route. You had a paper route. I mowed lawns. You did. I did everything. You put your. Tiny. It doesn't matter. With the lawnmower? <laughs> that was the dumbest one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. How, whose lawnmower did you use? I think I had one. <laughs> the family lawnmower? Or maybe maybe I would use the one at the person's house. Oh, that's My fun. mother was very into me working. Uh-huh. So to, to, to teach you something or you needed money? Mm-mm. Probably both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to have a good work ethic. Yeah. No, actually, I think it helped. Absolutely. 
And like, so, what do rich people do now with their kids? Like, I don't know. It's not easy. I mean, I listen to Judd Apatow talk about it on stage. I, I think that like the the tricky thing with that is rich people they want their kids to have everything, but they also want them to be responsible people. It's a it's a hard thing to do to spoil a kid and also instill a you know a, a, a something that isn't just blatant entitlement. Right, and then how do you make your kid get a paper route when you're like a multimillionaire? It's so. Yeah, it must it's be strange. Well, Judd does this joke about how I, you know I want my kids to learn things, but you know I'm not going to sacrifice my comfort <laughs> to te- like I'm not going to fly coach so they have values. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, God, I had to pay for my own college. It, it took me nine years to graduate from college because I had to pay for it. So I was living in New York eventually. So wait, wait, you go to high school in Rockford? So I went to high school in Rockford. And you acted and stuff, and, and then plays? I tried. To, I thought I'd get into Juilliard. You did. So I, I, so I thought if I sent him my picture, my resume. Were you acting in high school? Yeah. And like I kept doing this theater thing. No comedy though. No comedy. So you're doing theater and you think you're going to get into Juilliard. <laughs> From my picture. Oh yeah? Or, was it a headshot or yeah. just a picture? <laughs> no, it was a headshot. And like taken by a local Rockford photographer. Sure, sure. And I, I just did had... that with Yale at, after college. I wanted to go to Yale graduate school and I thought I'd be cocky and make an impression. And I sent a strip from a photo booth. <laughs> Wait, you thought you'd get into Yale just for, yeah. Well, I filled out the resume and stuff, but I wanted to be remembered. So I sent in this dumb fucking strip from a photo booth in my cocky little, like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I tanked the audition. Don't you miss being like that? I wish I, I that was like. Terrified? No. Well, no, but also having cocky. that much confidence. No, it was just, it, it was. It's it, delusional, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't real confidence. Right. It was just like, you know, like, I thought I could, I thought I could uh, charm them. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So what happened? Well, because my dad's a used car salesman too, and Is he's, he? he's charming like that. Sure. And so I thought that, you know, yeah. So I think I have some of that. We all do. Yeah. That's how we get through life, us comedians. <laughs> yeah, I a guess that's a lot of that charm. Is. It is. Sure. That's a lot of it. So oh, what so happened with I Juilliard? Get, oh, I did not get it. But did you go audition? A, I went and auditioned. Did so not even make school, the shortlist. <laughs> but before you graduate, you take a trip to New York mm-hmm. to audition? Uh, Chicago. I think they didn't because they would oh, go to different cities. Right, right, right. Didn't get in there, and then. Uh, then I, I did some like, I auditioned for something and I got like a scholarship to ISU. So I went to Illinois State University for like two years, but I hated it so much that I just kept doing study abroad programs. Where'd you go? So I went to England. So you were at Illinois State and you signed up for the study abroad. You went to Engl- England for a whole semester? Went to England. It was awesome. You seemed kind of groovy England. Yeah, I like got a job. I like, I had like three jobs there. Like I worked in like a head shop. I like worked at, at a at like a pub so you're in england for like a semester then you come back then i then i i was in illinois and i opened up like backstage and i yeah. saw that like stella adler conservatory was was auditioning in chicago and then i was like i need to i need to i need to get you out knew of about here. her yeah and yeah. so i auditioned and i got in and then i moved to new york and my mother was like don't don't go to new york it's gonna be terrible something bad's gonna happen uh-huh. and i almost didn't go and then i went and then after that i was like Oh, like you don't, you shouldn't ever listen to anybody. <laughs> like you should just do your own thing. Well, they're worried about themselves. Right. And, and, but and like, she's your mom. She's worried about you, but it's easier for her if you're nearby. I guess. Yeah. But I needed to get out of there. Sure you did. So then I, then I went to New York and you know. What? What was the studying like? You were with Stella Adler for two years? How long? How did it work? I went there for two years. I say they taught me how to be a working actor in the 1800s. Like it was like, to the back of the auditorium, Natasha. Ta- two toads who were terribly tight. We had, did like fencing. It was just like, 
And then I that that's when I and then when I it moved was to, that it was a real conservatory. Yes, like we would do like Chekhov and style like Shakespeare styles and yeah. It, you didn't like that. Well, I liked it fine, but then I moved to L.A. and I would be like... Yeah, but it probably served you pretty well to get all that shit in place. It helped me come up with, you know, how I talk. <laughs> you had to come up with I that? Got, I became more sophisticated, you uh-huh. know, because I don't have like an Illinois accent. No, you well, you had to exercise that, get it out of you? Kind of. What does that sound like? You know, like a Rockford accent is just kind of more like that. Like, you know, you got your Aunt Kathy and Tosh. Hey, Tosh, like my mom, you know. <laughs> Is that funny to you? I mean, I reinvented myself, Mark. You like fucking, you just like, uh, so a lot of energy has gone into erasing the past. That's true. That's mm. true. And and I also- You're put together. Right. Well, I also had this, I've had like, I had this encounter with this man who was like older when I was like 22, when I was in New York. I met this guy who was Australian mm. and he was like 42 mm-hmm. and I was 22. Wow, good. And I gave up my apartment, my rent controlled apartment. That does not sound like an encounter. This and sounds like a... And I moved to Australia to be with him. But I thought he was like so sophisticated and I got there and he was like a con artist. And what? so I kind of like... Whoa, whoa, back up. So you're in New York, you're being, you're at the conservatory, you're finishing up, I guess. Yes. And you meet this guy. And I'm like, God, these guys are so lame in New York. Like, I want someone who knows, like, what a wine list looks like and how to read, you know, like, how to read a wine list. And, like, I just wanted someone sophisticated. And then You're I, just so classic, like, <laughs> small city, I know. fucking trashy, <laughs> like, I want out. Where's my jet? <laughs> so I meet this guy, and he was like, he kind of looked like Mick Jagger. Like, yeah. He had this, like, cool striped blazer, and he was, yeah. like, really soft-spoken. Where'd you meet him? At the bar I worked at, at the uh-huh. whiskey bar. And he was like... I just came back from this new festival called Burning Man. And it was like the first year of Burning Man. And yeah. he, was like, he was like, I'm making a documentary on the information superhighway, uh-huh. which was the internet. Sure. And then obviously, and then he was like, I do book reviews for the Australian financial, for the, for, you know, he did book reviews. He was an intellectual property lawyer. He was like this amazing, like he just was fascinating. To yeah. Me. And so then. So like immediately just. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I met this person. And then we went, had a few dates. He would like take me to like, what's that hotel that he always wanted to go to? Um, what's the famous Dorothy Park? Oh, the Algonquin. So oh, we sure. would meet at the Algonquin. <laughs> and Oh boy, and the, he had uh, and your number. eat at the Ivy. And so then we started this like exchange. He went back to Australia and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be with this man. Yeah. And then finally I gave up all my stuff and I went there. I was like 22 and then I got there and it was like, he, like I, when I got there, because like in my mind, I'm like, we're going to go to literary parties. This is going to be like, because he does book reviews and he's a lawyer and he must be rich. And so I get there and it's like his apartment. First, he he picks me up at the airport and he looks worried. Yeah. You know, because I think he kind of couldn't believe I came. (laughs) (laughs) Like it kind of looked like he hadn't slept. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And my friends are like, Natasha, I, you know, like some of my older friends were like, yeah. I've known people like this. I don't think you should go, you know? And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. They knew it was bullshit? Well, it was just like- Too good to be true. Yeah. Right. And so I get there and we're in this like, he picks me up at the airport and he's like, you know, do you, you know, let me make you this. He would always, he was a gourmet cook. So he was like made avocado with caviar and like, you know, he was always like feeding me caviar. Wait, then, when you, in New York or when you- In or, New York, yeah. yeah. So we get there and I'm like, oh, and we're going to start eating caviar. Yeah. And so I get there oh. and it's like this little shack. It's like not a, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a, a fine 
little studio, uh-huh. right? That he is it's like an apartment or a house. An apartment. Yeah. And he is draped like purple, like purple felt all over the uh-huh. walls to uh-huh. try to make it fancy. For you. Yeah. And there was like IKEA furniture. Mm. And I was like kind of disoriented. And I was like, because it was a flight from Australia. So sure. I was, like, I'm just going to lay down. Yeah. So I laid down and then I woke up to. <laughs> I woke up to the Seinfeld theme song and I was like, and he's like, Seinfeld starting. And like, he like just watched TV all day. And so like, I was in Australia with this guy who I thought was like my dream man. And he was. Oh my God. And so it'd be like, and then he'd like John Candy movie. Like he would just want to watch TV and. Not a, not a bad guy. Is this hurting? Oh, he was a really, he was, he was really bad. No, it's hurting me because like I feel bad for like whatever that moment is where you take that trip. You're on a plane for 20 hours. You're disoriented. You have all these like sort of princess expectations. <laughs> and you just walk into something that is so not. Like cowhide print, like, you know, like a easy like, like, chair and like must a barrel just, that we'd you, eat on. You must have just been like leveled. I was I was pretty freaked out and then it like started like I couldn't answer the phones like he was like he had some weird he was getting money from other women and he was just like a crazy person but what's interesting about him why I talk about him right now is because like I feel like I kind of stole some of my persona from him because we were poor but he was like the most pretentious person like we would be on the so you stayed there you you, you I you, stayed there for you. like eight months and then brought him back to New York with me I don't get this. Because I fell, I kind of fell in love with him, I guess. Because, because what was actually what should have been just like this whole bunch of like, fuck you, red flags, once you got there, you were like, I can learn from this guy. Yeah. I thought I could learn from him. And and you, you liked his, his, like, he probably treated you really good. And then once he got you, uh, into his mindset, you're like, we can fucking, you know, we can pull some shit off. Right. We can conquer the world. But like, the signs were like every day we would get into like three fights a day like he would be like don't use that that's not the knife you use to butter the bread like he would get really mad at me for stuff like that in his studio with purple curtains yes and he would be like I bring him his coffee in the morning and he'd be like how can you expect me to look at that much liquid this early in the morning it's too full like everything was like because I think I was I was like uh, I had like Stockholm Syndrome or something pretty quick it sounds like yeah like immediately <laughs> and then and then we didn't have any money so i would like he's like well you, you know then i'll because I, I was like i thought you were a book reviewer and then i'd see him reading the want ads and i'd be like he'd be like well we need some money wiener he called he, me wiener he's like we need some money he's like you need to go out and get a job so i like got this waitressing job and he would sit there and stare at me while i would wait tables and then they like fired me and then i got a job like at a brothel like answering phones for like a day and then How'd he you, got really mad. Because you were working at a brothel. Yes. And then, like, when we'd take the money, like, it would be, like, you know, $30 or whatever, $60. And then we'd spend it all on, like, champagne and, like, picnic food. Uh-huh. And then we'd go for, like, he's like, well, we have to walk this way because the roses will be, will be blowing. The eastern winds are right now. So that if we walked up this street, even though it's longer, we'll get the, you know, the smell of the roses. So you were still buying his bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> You're, like, 22. You're in a different country. Yeah. You're, and, he, and you're way far from Rockford. Oh, I'm, I mean, and from anything. Oh, and then, you know, the internet wasn't that big then. So it's like I couldn't, I didn't have like a, my own computer or but anything. But you never felt scared. Oh, I was scared. At one point, he would always leave. And then at one point, and I'd be in his house, so I started like digging through his shit. Yeah. Because I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. I know something's wrong. I remember like getting on my hands and knees. I was like, God, please give me a sign. And then the phone rang, yeah. rings. And he's like, 
Wiener, I need you to take, because I was supposed to go to university. He's like, I need you to take your university money and put it in the mailbox. And I'm like, why? That's my money. That's $1,200. He's like, just do as I say. So I get down there and there's this girl bawling and she's like, she's like, give me that money. And I'm like, what? That's, I, I thought it was for Alex. And he's, she's like, no, he's, he's, uh, he needs to pay for my abortion. Like he was like fucking other girls there. I mean, he was like, he was a psychopath. He's sociopath, at least. Sociopath. I think he had like, yeah, some kind of, he was like antisocial personality disorder, maybe. I, it's so hard for me to hear this story because like, you know, I've only, I've heard one or two stories like it where, you know, for some reason you're paralyzed to take care of yourself, to get out, even yeah. though like there's no way that th- this can end well or it's good and you're being treated badly. And, but what were you thinking? Why? Why do you why do you stay and what finally happened to get you out of there? Well, I don't think I was fully formed yet. Right, twenty two. Right, so I was like, I mean, he used to work with the Aboriginals, and so he would like. He really did. He said he did. So he was like, I used to cut their hair. So you know, he'd give me haircuts, and I would change my hair color. Like I just didn't know. And I remember the reason why I came. We were before when we were in New York. Yeah, he, he would. You know, he, he was really good at this. This is how they lie. Because I remember who's they sociopath. Yeah, Con like I, Yeah, like we were on a date at someone's house, and they were playing Neil Young, and I was like, oh, I love Neil Young, and I was like, and I was like, oh, um, my favorite Neil Young album is Hawks and Doves, and he's like, oh, you know Hawks and Doves, uh-huh. and I was like. Yeah. And I was then, you know, in my head in New York, I was like, I have to move there. This man knows my favorite album. And then I remember once when I got back to and when I was in Australia, I was looking through his music and I was like, what about you? Have, you have Hawks and Doves. I feel like reading that. He's like, or listening to that. He's like, what's that? And I'm like, uh... you know that out. And so it's like he would lie in the moment and like, like uh... now you wouldn't fall for it. But like there he's was just trying to con you right, right. there. Like so there's like a do, million. He's things doing like... everything he can to, to tell to make you feel like, he, you know him. Yeah. But, but he was such a unique person and very funny. Like he was, you know, we'd be on the bus and he would be like, you know, just excuse me, driver. Like he would act like we were in a limo, like uh-huh. on the bus. Uh-huh. Like he just had this and everyone hated him in Australia. People were like, who is this guy? Like people were worried about me. You could just see like strangers were like, are you OK? But he'd be like, excuse me, is this is this bus going to, you know, blah, 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 driver? <laughs> and then the bus driver, I remember this bus driver was like, read the sign. <laughs> And Alex would, he'd flip his scarf and he'd be like, are you assuming, sir, that I can read? Like, he would say these crazy things to people. So you're in Australia with a lunatic. A lunatic. And, and we would go on picnics all the time. And, and but, it, but how abusive did he get? It wasn't physically abusive. He just yelled and he was just, but you must have, you must have loved him somehow. Yeah, because then I asked my mom, I told my mom I needed $2,000 for a plane ticket back. Uh-huh. And then it was only like 800 and then I paid for him to go back with me. <laughs> and then we moved back to New York. Did you ever address this like insane codependent behavior in any way? Like, did you ever, like, how do you frame- Is that codependent? What, giving a guy, this girl crying girlfriend when you're living with them? Oh, you're right, you're right. You know, he talked me, but and, he and talked- Getting it 1,200 more dollars? Oh, that- that's what he would say. He would say, he would do this technique where he would be like, I'd be like- Not that it was the wrong thing to help the girl out, but it was not your responsibility. To give her my university money. It's crazy. I know, and I would say, did you did you have sex with her? And he would just say, I was with no one. And I'd be like, no, but were you, did you do it? And he would just keep repeating, I was with no one. And I think that's like a, a tactic that people, like, con artists use i forget it's called something but it's like 
No, you it, just it, keep it, repeating something until the it's person lying. <laughs> oh my! But God. it really changed me, and so I feel like how. I mean, I think it just like just meeting someone who who went through the world like that. I never. I think it. I, I just sort of. But wait, so how does this story end, man? I mean, it's got so many, so many so parts like, to it. So you're, you, oh, and then one time we were at the store, and like I saw him like stealing potatoes. Like he would steal things, and I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, Alex, you can't steal. Like he would just steal shit. So this was sort of exciting. Yeah, kind. I mean, yes, yeah, and like we had good sex. Like, yeah. but we would fight all the time. But I thought he was so smart. He was the smartest person. You thought? I mean, he was very smart. But did did you start doing cons? Not with him, no. Oh. It was more me because I'm like, you know, I was raised really well. Like but, I, I would be like, you, we got, we have to pay for this. Like we yeah. can't. Like he tried to like dine and dash. <laughs> so you're not acting at all. You're just no. like acting in response to this. No, lunatic. I'm cleaning house, and oh my god, I'm like going through his shit. Like he always told me his dad was a doctor. Yeah, and then I and his mother was from French royalty. He's like, my mother would have loved you. Your ankles are so small. You know, that that's a sign of breeding. Like, he was always telling me all these things. Like, yeah. But then when I went through his stuff one day, I saw that, like, his, I saw, found his birth certificate. Yeah. And it said his dad was, like, a electroplater, uh-huh. which is, like, a very low factory job. Uh-huh. Am uh-huh. I making you uncomfortable? Have no, you done no. this to women? <laughs> Never. I mean, I, I, I think we all have our bullshit, but this is, like, this is a full, like, it just, it's fascinating to me that... Like I said, I've heard this a, like a couple of times before, maybe not on this show, but I know another woman who went through something ser- similar. But it is sort of like Stockholm syndrome. It is, so, but there must have been enough, like good, right? Not good, but like I mean, you know, being emotionally engaged and having good sex and fighting and 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 actually being kind of in awe of somebody, even if they're out of their mind, is something. <laughs> Do, hey, it's know. better than being bored. That's right. But but how did how did it end? You 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 both came back to the states on your mom's dime. Well, not only that, we went we took like a crazy vacation. He was like, "I'm not traveling all the way back to America without going to the Lakes District in England." Or like he was like, "We went to Thailand and we, I'm with my mom's money." I ended up paying her back. We went to and he was just he had such a feeling that he should have everything, you sure. know? Like and he would he was so charming like. He would just ask to be upgraded to first class and people would upgrade us. I don't know how he did it, but he took my mom's money and we went to Kosamui. You're impressed with this guy. <laughs> well, I really... looked him up. I can't find him anymore. Oh, really? Like, well, now just he's out probably of curio- like curiosity, right? Yeah. You don't even know if it was his real name. Right, right. But you look at his birth certificate, so you, you must have been able to confirm that. You couldn't find him anymore, huh? No. His name was, his name was Alex... Should I say his name? His name was Alex Priodite, and he would always say it was Priodite means spoken prayer. <laughs> like everything he said was like that. You so love this was... guy. You love this bullshit artist. Well, he was just so funny. I don't know. Like I never heard of someone saying that you had to like, you know, take a certain route so you could smell the roses. No, it's sweet in a way. It, you were able to forgive all this insanity. I'm glad that he just uh, kind of took you for a ride like for a little bit of money in retrospect not much money and didn't hurt you too badly and he always told me he never he had never been in love and so anyway you're such a romantic you really bought it <laughs> like you knew that he was bullshitting but but what he represented how did you not that's what I, yeah but like but he represented like you had something in common you both wanted to be that right so, it, it just, well, like, I didn't know I wanted to be that until I met him, and I was like, "Oh, you know." But no, but I mean, you, like you bought like his lie 
was sort of enchanting to you. You're like, this is it. And then even when you got there and you realized it was a lie, but he's still sort of committed to behaving like that. <laughs> yeah. And and you're like, this like that's pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> But the problem, yes. But the problem was when you're lying like that at that level every yeah. day, you're telling someone lies. You get mad for no reason, right? You know, like you have no, you don't know where you are in a way. Yes, like I remember I was wearing these shoes once when we were in London on our way back, and he was like, "Why are you wearing those in the daytime?" And he got so mad and like you know wouldn't talk to me, and he was just like, a, he was so crazy. But like we would just, and then for me, I was always like begging him to like not be mad. Oh, my God. It was really sad. But anyway, so we get back to New York. It lasted. We had no place to stay, no money. I lost my waitressing job, you know, everything. So then we stayed with this girl, Denisha, this, like, Dominican girl and her family and her grandmother in Queens. How did that? How? How? I mean, we would just, like, spend the night in this. We just lived there. But how did you find them? Oh, because I used to waitress with her before I I left. So we were living in, like, deep Queens. And like, and then he just like left me for this girl in Brooklyn who had an inheritance. <laughs> and I found out he said to her he had never been in love, and like that was the love that he found. I mean, because he probably knew he he had limited time left with me. Yeah, I, I, he shouldn't have had the time he had. I know. <laughs> I know. Can he, you he, imagine? That was, must have been a pretty long run for that guy. Oh, and then. And like he was dressed so cool the first night I saw him, and then ever since then he would wear like he dressed terribly. He would wear those like Bill Cosby sweaters mm. and like fanny packs, and I still like was into him. You, it's, that's you, like you wanted to believe something. Yes, I, I don't know, but then I think you know it took me like like two or three years to recover in New York, and then I just sort of like he just always kind of was an influence in my head. I think still is. You get pretty worked up talking about him. It seemed like a pretty exciting time in some way. Well, it's so I haven't thought about it in a while, and then I was thinking about it the other day, and it was I kind of forgot a lot of it. Well, it feels like somehow or another, like not in a like like I like that you don't perceive yourself as a victim necessarily, and you still find all the good things and the humor and the whole thing. Oh yeah, I'm so glad it happened to me. Because yeah. what if it happened to me at 35? Like then your life's over. We, well, right, but and we, right, and, like just to get that out of your system to like move to another continent for love. Yeah. You might as well do that when you're 20. And to have such an extreme experience with such a lunatic. Uh, yeah. You know, and, not, and not have it get so abusive or destructive that, you know, you, you don't really recover from it. Because it sounds like you maintained some sort of romantic idea through all of it. And what, what, like, was the recovery, when you say it took you two or three years to recover, was that because you felt like you'd been fucked over or just brokenhearted? Were you sitting there going, like, what was I doing? Or were you like, oh, I'm sad that he went with somebody else? I think I think both. Yeah, yeah. I think I was in. I somehow was in love with him. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what fantasy he fulfilled. I mean, I. Well, like you said, could, lunatics are exciting. Alcoholics are exciting. Drug addicts are exciting. I mean, I don't know what what you know outside of what you grew up with or what, but like people, like my dad's a bit of a nut. Like if you grow up with that with that sort of chaos in your life, it's very engaging. I've and, heard and, you talk about your dad like it's like a roller coaster. Like yeah, and it's engaging in a way that you don't have to deal with your own shit. Like, like you know, when you're with somebody that's high maintenance, maintenance and entertaining, you don't ever have to think about yourself almost at all. Yeah, I think I'm very attracted to that, and I'm lucky that I'm not like that. That that's not who you want to settle with, though. No, but also somehow or another, you you have a, enough fortitude. Because you're a very defined character and you have a, a personality. You don't like, I look at you and, I, and I'm and i not sitting here going like, who is this poor girl? <laughs> <laughs> I 
but like, you know, you, you obviously were like, my mother's a little like that where it, it's almost easier for you to maintain your integrity when you just have to fucking manage a lunatic. Right. You know what I mean? Cause all you have to do with them is go stop. Okay. Can we not do this right now? Oh, here we go. And you, you know, there's no conversation about you. So you actually are protected in some fucked up way. But with, when you're dealing with it, you're, you're telling that you're not like, um, you're not like, you're not blindsided by it. Right. It's just, it, it becomes easy because they're so selfish. Right. They're so selfish. Right. That's what it is, I guess. Yeah. yeah it's like, uh, you just, you don't, you, you don't really, you're just some sort of thing they work through. You know, they're, you, you, they use you. It's, it's a using, but if it's not horrendously abusive, you, you know, it, it, it can be easier you know, than dealing with your own shit, I guess. But you're also very young. Do I really seem like I'm excited by it? I was just getting worked up thinking about it, I guess. Um, I, I, I I'm definitely not like no, 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 no. I reminiscing. Think, no, you were definitely reminiscing. Well, I guess, I mean, it's just so, it seems... It's a it great story. It and doesn't it's, seem like my life. But you survived it and it's an amazing experience and you probably learned a lot. And I think that... Like, it seems to me that just in, in sort of defining who you were and, and certainly the character that you've become on stage and, you know, what interests you, this kind of like... Class. Like, yes. Like, that he you, would never say we were out of money. He'd say, we need to raise money. <laughs> I said, real, real piece of work, this guy. <laughs> we need to raise money. And so, it'd be, and raising money would be selling the furniture. <laughs> so we had to, like, raise money to, to pay for, like, eating. I think it's really charming because I think this guy was might have been like really one of the biggest influences in your life. <laughs> and my mom and see he even met my mom and he kind of he kind of hoodwinked my mother too. Uh-huh. He just had some people just have something. Sure, it sounds like you guys are like the real charmers. I guess. Yeah. So okay, so when do you start, you know, working on your shit? Oh, so then I moved. So I stayed in L- I stayed in New York. Great story, for- and I'm glad it didn't end horribly, other than just sort of sadly. Yeah, yeah. But you just you just tried to find him, huh? No, I mean I've okay. I've Googled him before just to see. Yeah, I'm sure he's like in Hong Kong with some like woman like doing. I don't. You think he still got his tricks together? I mean, like you said, he's got to be almost seventy. Actually, he he was a chain smoker though. He would roll his own cigarettes and oh, like maybe. drink wine every. I mean, he wasn't alcoholic, but I bet he's like dead. Mm. So, well, you'll probably find out. One Although one time this guy called me for this interview, yeah. and I talked to him for like forty minutes, and I was like, I think this is him. Really? Because he sounded just like him, and he was. And then he started veering off, uh-huh. asking me really weird questions. But I don't know. Uh huh. Anyway, so then I, I, you know, lived in New York for a couple more years, and then I think nine eleven happened, and I was like, I was like living in Harlem in like a windowless. And apartment. you weren't doing comedy. No, I was like trying to get a commercial agent. I was and, like five years into trying to get a commercial agent. Just working? <laughs> just waitressing and like no clue how anything works. That's why when I look at people who have careers by the time they're 30, I'm like, they must have, a lot of people like, I think just knew more, had more information. I well, had no information. Well, I think like a lot of us, like comedians for whatever reason, and maybe it's a, a bad generalization. Maybe I should just say me. It's like you enter the world with this idea of what you want to do, but you have no practical experience of how to live life. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, for a long time, I just had no idea. It's like, you know, I'd get a, a rent a, an apartment and, you know, get a futon and they have boxes. You know, like I didn't, like I just assumed something would eventually, like somebody would tell me what to do. Like you'd be in a city where things were happening. Yeah, but I didn't know. And I just sort of like, you know, when I started doing comedy, I'm like, I, that's what I do. Those guys, 
I can hang out with these people and just in that I wanted to do comedy. Once I figured out that was my goal, which I always wanted to do, that's all I thought about. But I didn't live a normal life. I, I never lived a normal life. Yeah. And there is no people who have planned careers. I, I find disconcerting. It, it annoys me, but but it, it makes sense. Most people are like that. They have sort of a plan and goals. Like most 20-year-olds, I know many 20-year-olds who want to be a showrunner. I'm like, how do you even know what that is? Like, I don't, I just I just learned <laughs> what that was a couple years ago. Like, it's just it's just a different, uh, but yeah, I had no idea how You want to be worked. a movie star. Yeah, but I also like was like, I'll be on a soap opera. I just wanted to be an actress. So yeah. I remember this woman from a soap opera came into the whiskey bar and I like got down on my knees and I was like, can you please get my headshot to your director? Like, I just didn't understand. Like, I was so desperate. Yeah. But then I moved to LA and then I saw this. Gr- and I didn't but know. you just moved? You just like, fuck New York? Yeah, because you- I was living in Harlem in this windowless room and I was like, I'm going to give it, you know, six more months if I can't get an agent. Because I knew it was crazy that I couldn't get an agent. Like, it just felt like I just didn't understand. Like, I knew I was talented. And what were you doing? Just sending pictures out, banging on doors, giving your picture to people? Yeah, it was just sad. And then I was like, I'm going to move to L.A. And then when I happened, With nothing, with no connection here. I think I had $700 left in an overdraft checking account that was 5000 Like, Chase Manhattan gave me like yeah. $5,000 credit right so it was like i had like negative money yeah and then i moved to la and then 9-11 happened so i had my apartment in new york in harlem and i was like oh i should just not go back there right so then i just stayed in la and then for two years i just kind of like did nothing Mm -hmm. you know worked in waitress and stuff and then nothing i I, I didn't know anything about comedy i knew no stand-ups and then i saw this girl i knew from from acting conservatory she's like oh i have a show at the comedy store and I always thought she was cool. And I just saw her from, up on- You knew her from New York? Yeah. Uh-huh. And she just stood up on stage. I went to her show at the comedy store. I'd never been in there the before. In the belly room. In the belly room. Yes, of course. The first place I performed to. Yeah. And she was just talking about her life. Like I didn't, I thought stand-up was like Jerry Seinfeld with a tie. Like yeah. I didn't, I was just always more into music. I was yeah. never into comedy. Right. And so I was like, oh, I could just stand on stage and talk about- you know, what I like about L.A., what I don't like about L.A., how I feel, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and I just tried it. And you were hooked. I just I, I killed. Yeah. Like the first time I did it, <laughs> I killed. So I've still never killed that. I mean, I could not believe people were laughing. And like, I remember my hairdresser had given me like a Xanax, like half a Xanax because I was yeah. so nervous. So maybe that was part of it. But uh-huh. it just felt like this. The laughter was like. Like like a wave. Like I felt yeah. like it was like coming over me, and and it, there was no like low point in uh-huh. the whole set. Uh-huh. It was crazy. Yeah. And then you know, then I started bombing. But uh-huh. but yeah. But that that was enough to get you in. Yeah. So then you just started like you kind of started to in, ingrain yourself in the community of of mics and stuff. Yeah. It would, now they're called mics. Yeah. No, I I, don't, I can't even believe I use that word. Pat, <laughs> like like it's a word I use. <laughs> mics. Yeah. Open mics. Yeah, I would go out. And then, you know, I started dating that guy, Ari, and he had such an amazing work ethic that I was very influenced by him. Like, he was just like, every night, you got to go up, you know, eight times a week. So I would keep this calendar and like, you know, he has this thing on his wall that says, you're nothing until you bomb a hundred times. And then he would like cross off each, like he still would like, cross. he still has it. Like he'd cross off, you know, how many times he would bomb. And 
So I was just, I had this idea that you had to work so hard. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. Like, yeah, he learned it from Mattel and people like that. He yeah. Respected, like, you know, that the New York style. Yeah. You got to get out there every night somewhere. Yeah. And he's very, like, militant like that. So I think that that was helpful just to, like, meet people like that who yeah, are you got, so you have committed. To, you really have to run dick jokes as many as possible. <laughs> over and over again to really make sure they work well. Yeah, those guys would be like, what? That's like nothing. A hundred times, the joke's nothing until you've told it like 200 times. It's like, what? So this is interesting. Like The, the theme is is that whatever it is, you, you certainly seem to learn things from people. Like, you know, that, that, that ethic, the work ethic of comedy... You know, I don't know what happened with that relationship or how fucked up that got. Did you guys get married too? Did you? <laughs> Did we get married too? No, we didn't get married. Oh. But yeah, I think you crushed him, right? Wasn't that the story? We It did not end well. <laughs> yeah, are you okay now? I, I wasn't allowed to go to the comedy store for three years. Mm. But then... By who? By him? Oh, well, I, w- I went there once. Yeah. And I was sitting there talking to Morgan Murphy. And yeah. we were sitting in the corner... And he, she got up to go to the bathroom and yeah. then he came over and like threw a drink on my face, in, like on my head and was like, get out of here. This isn't your turf or whatever he said. I don't know. He's, he's apologized since. And it's, it's a funny thing. No. I kind of remember this. This was like, but that was And when... no one helped me either. Like that was annoying. Like it was just, the comedy store was a little more lawless and. Right. And, it, and he was, they were all part of that system. He was like, it was, he lived there basically. Yeah. And there was a crew of doormen and, and, and up and comers that were you know, using the comedy store as Mitzi designed it as this clusterfuck of a hate palace for aggravated <laughs> men to be territorial. And uh, Totally. Yeah, and then, so he was honoring the, you know, he was insulated there and he had his pack. Kind of, yeah. But we're we're cool now, totally. No, and, it's a long time ago. Yeah, but he threw well, a drink at you. Yeah. What a fucking... That's never happened to me before. And I remember Morgan said that she came out of the bathroom and was like, why does Natasha's ponytail have no volume? Because <laughs> I was just like drenched. That's pretty abusive and pretty horrible. <laughs> right. But it was, I mean, he yeah. would have never physically. But right. then I was like, oh, I don't know. What if could throw, someone could throw acid in my face. I don't know. Ooh. I mean, I, I was just, but anyway, yeah. I stayed away from there. And you just did other open mics? Yeah, there's so much. There's and I started going on the road and started headlining. But wait, that seems like a big jump. So when did the TV stuff start happening? I mean, when did you like you know like you were acting? When did you get an agent and stuff? Oh, I mean, it all kind of started just happening. Yeah. It was like it was so cool to experience that after like so much heartache and like you know just going nowhere in New yeah, York. Like right. New York is just like it feels like a scam. Yeah. It was just so hard. For, like, nothing. Like, there was no group of people. There was no luck. There yeah. was no, like, nothing ever really good happened. Right. There there was, but you weren't in it. Oh, right. Yeah. For me. Like, I never kind of got in that. Right. Well, you didn't know what your interests were. You had no idea. How were, you know, there's no acting crew. Right. Like, exactly. But now I imagine if you go to New York, there's comics around that know you and you can kind of walk in. Oh, and like, yeah. What's up, you guys? Totally. Because you're like a comedian. You're a real deal now. Yeah, so it was nice to like have, you know, people taking interest and in getting an agent and getting auditions. But it seems like like from 2002... Are you looking you, at my Wikipedia? Yeah, I'm looking at the resume. <laughs> but like from 2002, you know, when you started doing comedy, shit started happening within a few years. I mean, you did Premium Blend and then you like, you did a roast? I think I got to like quit my... I think it took me four years before I had to quit waitressing. Right. So I was like waitressing full time and then four years I got to like, I think I did like the Late Late Show and then I got 
to host a reality show, and then I didn't right, have to so work it was, anymore. It was still sort of like mostly acting gigs. Some like you of did, it. but like you know, in terms of like getting a headliner, like becoming a headliner, actually having the time to do that, you did seem to do that in the appropriate time, like eight years or so. Yeah, but I, I or maybe less. Like yeah. I remember maybe six years because I just started. I was constantly on the road, which that's middling. Why, middling and then headlining in certain places you know like i remember uh-huh. you know the denver comedy works like sure. it's so fun there like that's the first place i was i was so scared and then i was able to do it there yeah and then i was like okay i can do it now yeah yeah what's well, a great room it's a very forgiving room it's oh like oh my god it's almost too good You're i like, what's know happening? so i'm so glad i got to do that and yeah then, and the, but you did last comic standing too i was the host i hope you hosted. no 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 i was a judge oh you judged because yeah. you're a character I mean, it was yeah. me and Andy and Greg Geraldo. Oh, that's right. Oh, Poor Greg. He Poor was Greg. so sweet. He was so smart. So smart. I loved him. I only got to know him on that show, but. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so sad. Were you friends with him? Yeah. Yeah, I knew him a long time. I didn't know he was as bad off as, as he was. Like, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in New York when, when it all went downhill, so I had no real sense of. I remember him saying like he had to, he was like living in a studio yeah, and then like he was on the road like Tuesday through Sunday and you know, like would get his kids one day a week and yeah, no, like just the, the spiral of drugs. I knew he was trying to clean up and I, you know, as it got closer to his, um, you know, tragic demise, I knew he was in real trouble, but comedy is such a dangerous job. Like it's the only job where I'm asked maybe three times if I want to drink before I go on stage every time I'm on the road. Yeah. It's like everyone's so, you know, it's, it's, you're expected to drink and people bring you drugs and people bring you pills and yeah. People know that I'm for you. Yeah, they don't, but like, yeah, they bring me cake. Cat toys. So, <laughs> oh, that's cute. I get a though. lot of weed. I get a lot of catnip toys. But a you're lot so of weed. successful. It's so good that you're that you're. Sober. No, it took a long time. <laughs> but um, but let's not underestimate the power of Chelsea lately. Oh, that was very helpful. I mean, that was really. If I'm like looking at this and doing the math on it, is was, my star meter going up at Chelsea? Lately? No, no. I'm just saying it's it's a pivotal thing. It was a tremendous showcase. Have you had her it. on? Yeah, I went to her house years ago. It was good. She's very funny. She's naturally funny. I know. I think she's great. And very smart. She's constantly reading. Yeah. No, I think she's great. I think she did an amazing thing. And she really was uh, loyal to uh, a group of writers and comics. Yeah. And and really made a lot of careers for people and is is very good to people. You're right. That's, I was able to start headlining when. Right. Because you could draw because of that. It was a very popular show. Yeah. And they knew you. They knew your personality. They knew what to expect. They knew you were that that woman who did that thing. Well, also, Chelsea was kind of dark. Like, she would, like, make fun of the celebrities that other people on E! would be, like, you know, like, Mario Lopez is saying how cool everyone is. And Chelsea's, like, rolling her eyes. Yeah. And so the people who were attracted to that, you could kind of be dark and, like, say uh-huh. mean things. And people wouldn't get offended. Right. So I think Chelsea helped set the tone a little bit for yeah. for people to not be so PC and so, like... Scared of everything. Yeah. And then, and she loved you, right? Yeah, she totally helped me. And, and I was on the show all the time. The problem, it's like you work so hard to get something real happening. And then when you have it, it's like you have no time for anything. Like, No, I know. I just got done shooting and never stopped. Are you in the editing bay the entire time? I, uh, well, what I do is usually I look at the passes. You know, I have showrunners that sit with the editors and I look at the director's pass and then they, 
we just all chip away at it. Like I'll go into the bay sometimes, but usually I just look at cuts and make notes. For some reason, Ricky and I are in the editing bay. That's good. It's 40, 50 hours a week. No, it's good. And then, you know, the You're weekend. You're the showrunner though, right? Yeah. So that's, you know. Yeah. And also, you know, when you're trying to find the tone to a show, and also our show's a period piece. Yeah, it's and you like, gotta leave the air. That's the biggest thing about doing comedy when there's no audience is that, you know, you gotta let things land, and you just have to have an instinct for that. Like, you know, when somebody delivers something, it's mm-hmm. like, give it a half second. Because a lot of times editors, they're just, it's like, no, right. just, just another half second. It goes by too fast. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, I mean, the problem with our show is it's only 21 minutes. So it's like there's You're like 14 long. lead characters. And I don't really understand how it's... Yeah, I never really thought about that. Like a television show has to be an exact amount of time. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's not only... Tw- it's like 21 minutes and 46 seconds and then like two th- frames. <laughs> like that's how that's long... That's right. And it's like the editing is... Everything comes out long. And then you like really have to sh- you know sh- kind of start cutting it and then do you cut the things that you're sick of are you cutting the best jokes are you cutting you know like well, if there's a story it usually comes down to making sure you honor the story right but then all the funniest stuff sometimes has to I mean, leave. and then you got to be like well we you got you, the story has to make sense right but then you got to leave like you know you got to make your choices with funny stuff you know, shit has to go sometimes what yeah. are you gonna do it's just the nature of the fucking beast right so what do people do when they make movies is everything gets to stay that they want like judd apatow it's like anything clearly with him <laughs> Anything gets to stay. <laughs> but it's he'll, like... He'll that... go ahead and let a movie be two and a half hours long. <laughs> but that it's... Could I mean... reasonably be an hour and a half. And he knows that. <laughs> but he's like, fuck it. Yeah, I like it so all. That sounds so glamorous. Well, yeah, he's got a certain amount of freedom, that guy. And he's a great guy. That's it. Like, he's a rare thing. Yeah, I like him every time I talk to him. Yeah, he's great. Now he's doing stand-up. And at first, we were all like, oh, fuck. Apatow's gonna just come back to stand up but now you're like guys oh, he's really working he's great no he's good funny and... oh, it's great it's great it's i think it's hilarious that like this is what he wanted to do he's just picking it back up right he just cause... went out and did everything else successfully <laughs> and now he wants to get back started with the stand-up again and I... he's earnest about it i remember zach galifianakis saying or i think it was him said like the stand-up's the only thing or once you get successful you don't have to do it anymore yeah zach's like no, i'm not gonna <laughs> do it <laughs> a lot of people think that way i think that way in a way like it's certainly i it's going on the road right now is like not fun i don't know i, I just I, went to oh, oh, iowa two days ago and it was like four flights in i just went to iowa too. where'd you play iowa city yeah iowa city i went to iowa city that you, college i went to i was there for the festival and the i did floodwater festival they booked me as a headliner of this festival and then they called me and they're like just so you know we, we also booked amy schumer on the same night it's the worst worst. so they booked amy at the arena right and then kept me there but did you do that little theater i did a little theater yeah i mean it was a great show but it was it wasn't full right because and they they put us at the same price point but anyway so that was uh iowa it was i just the midwest it's hard for me to i just did iowa city i did lincoln i did kansas city it was the first time that i really did a midwest run it went pretty good but you're the kind of comic you can like you could probably do like two hours right yeah i'm not like that hmm I'm bored of myself after that amount of time. I can't, I, like, I'm good at, like, 40, 44, 30. I'm, I'm off. Right. I get it. That's enough. I know. It probably is. And when it's going great, I love it. Yeah. But when it's work, it's 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 Drag. hard. Yeah. yeah. I think that- When you got to get them over and over again. I just need to, to have some time to work on new jokes. Yes, you do. Because, well, because that's what'll bring me there. Oh yeah, I just need one. Well, like kind of liven up the whole thing. 
yeah. get one big new bit, you're like, everything else comes to life. But also, like, I don't know. For me, stand-up was always what I set out to do. So me doing it is like, it's like the core of who I am. So, like, I don't ever really think, like, now I'm going to get out of that. You know what I mean? Like, I sometimes think, like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Like, I got to do a new hour? How does that happen? And I've done, like, seven. <laughs> you know, so... But like I, every time I'm up against it, I'm like, there's no way. That reminds me when Larry David said they wanted them to do like five more Seinfelds after the first season. He's like, there's no way. I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then you, you do it. You're up against the wall and you do it. I but, think it's such a it's such a great art form and I feel so lucky to be a part of it and I want to always do it. Like I feel like it ages well too. <laughs> like I feel like as an old lady, like no, it's who doesn't want to be doing that? It's like it is the most What, forgiving, do I want to be on camera? Right. It's the most forgiving job and show business because it it is not age relative no it's not age relative and i mean you do have to stay current no no you gotta be you know, good you gotta be funny you have to be funny and uh but yeah i want to always do it it's just getting inspired can. again i think you got a you got a shtick that's gonna that can that's got legs it can go on for a while even as you get older like you could be 60 and still wearing your fun, your fun boots i don't wear boots so much anymore mark i'm sorry well, let's go watch the trailer for another period so I can get up to speed and and then everyone should go watch it. I, I, I looked at very little of it and I'm, I like it. Thank you. And, I'm excited uh, about it. And I, I definitely was not keeping you off the show. Um, I was just probably nervous. That's all. Or worse, did you just overlook me? No, I love you. I've never had any bad feelings. I've probably had too good of feelings about you. <laughs> <laughs> at different points in my life. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. All right, well, thank you for doing it. Okay, that was fun. All right, that was me and Natasha Legero, the lovely Natasha Legero. I really love talking to her. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Check the tour, check the merch, whatever you need, all right? Maybe I'll play a little guitar. I got the... Uh, I got the, the dirty old man hooked up, a little 58 Deluxe. Maybe I'll go straight in. I had to move it across the room so I don't fucking hurt my ears. Now I'm wearing earplugs, too, because I'm getting old and uh, my ears are fucked up from headsets and um, loud music. So let's see if I can get this going. Security.